Hey, this is JB Long, voice of your Los Angeles Rams. What a Tuesday as Marcus Peters is traded to the Baltimore Ravens and the Rams end up landing Jalen Ramsey from Jacksonville. All this news transpiring after we had taped this week's Coach McVay show. So for the latest news and reaction, check out therams.com and the morning show will have a ton of coverage coming your way on Wednesday. In the meantime, we hope that you will still enjoy our conversation with the head coach of the Rams as he reflects on the loss to the 49ers and the upcoming Week 7 trip to Atlanta. And look, we're invested in it, but not nearly to the extent that you are. So I know a lot of us are frustrated, but I want to start by just saying, how are you holding up? Yeah, I'm good. I'm, you know, really, it's it's a long season, and, and clearly we haven't gotten the results you know, over the last few weeks that we wanted, but... Um, all we know how to do in this building is just continue to battle, continue to fight, and, and there's really nothing that we can do except for let's look back at those games, let's figure out what we can learn from them, and let's apply that to how we move forward accordingly. And, um, you know, sports are a great representation of guys pers- persevering through some adversity, and this is a little bit of adversity that we're going through right now. Uh, but this is when you really get tested, and, and, I, and I trust that we've got the right kind of guys to be able to fight through this, and, and we're going to continue to compete, and you're not going to see us flinch. After the game, uh, when the game was finally over and you had a chance to break it down and watch film, I mean, did it match how you felt after the game, what you saw on video? Yeah, there was a lot of things. You know, I, th- I thought our defense, you know, continued to really compete hard. I thought the special teams, you know, we still got to clean up some of the pre-snap penalties really as a team as a whole, and then... Uh, you know, with, with the offense, there's a lot of things that, that we can do at a higher level. And, and I fully expect us to be able to do that. Very correctable mistakes, but, uh, we got to be more efficient on, on, you know, third downs clearly, you know, and fourth down. We got to find a way to get those tough, hard earned yards that we had really gotten for the most part, uh, during the course of this season. And then we can not continue to beat, beat ourselves with some of the pre-snap penalties. When you first arrived, I thought you and your staff did a miraculous job in some ways of instilling belief in a group that had not tasted much success in the NFL. Is this moment in any way similar in terms of needing to coach a bit of confidence into the offense in particular? You know, I wouldn't say that because, you know, there's there's still, you know, there's about 53, you know, snaps, but we didn't even have that many plays in the game yesterday. And then you can look back to say, all right, well, does that really represent the entirety of what we are? No, I, don't, I certainly don't think so. I think the first drive is more of an in- indicator of what we think we're capable of. Now the challenge is let's combine some of the good things we've done over these first six weeks. Let's clean up the mistakes. Let's play at an efficient level let's make sure that as coaches we're giving them clarity on exactly what it is there's a demand in terms of hey here's exactly what we wanted to get done here's how you guys have done it now let's apply that in these game settings and really string consecutive drives together be be the smart football team that i have full confidence that we will continue to become and and you know really sometimes it's it's good to be able to work through some of this earlier on and you get a chance to kind of figure out your identity and and that's all that we can really do there's nothing we can do about the previous six games except for use those as learning opportunities as we move forward and we're guaranteed 10 more shots at this this season uh, but all we can really do is, is try to find a way to have a great week of preparation and go play well against Atlanta this week just so surprising you started out so well uh, on offense running yeah. the football you banged one in I mean it seemed like you're off to a good start and then what changed yeah I think really when you play against a really good defense like that your margin for error is so slim and you know you look at the third drive you look at the second drive we go minus one on the first play then you get a five yard completion and they bring a man pressure on a third and six and you know we got a chance and uh it's just some of those things all right how stout can we be up front how much can we play within the timing and rhythm of it how much can we win in the timing and rhythm of those plays and we got the guys to be able to do it we just got to all do it together 
Unfortunately, the injury report is longer today than it has been maybe in the last three years. You yep. want to give us kind of the high-level overview, and then we'll get into some of the details? Yeah, so so Joseph Noteboom, he's going to be out for the year. Uh, unfortunately, he sustained an ACL-MCL injury. He'll have surgery, and I thought he got a lot better you know, in, the, in these first six weeks, and I think he'll be able to utilize this experience as a chance for him to grow and, and hopefully you know, have a bright future with our organization as he moves forward and, and he gets past this. Um, you know, John Johnson, he's going to get an, a second opinion on his shoulder. Uh, had a little bit of a shoulder injury that he's going to find out a little bit more about tomorrow. We'll have further injury, uh, further news on that. Malcolm Brown got an ankle injury where he'll be day to day and then, uh, made the decision that we will, uh, put a keep to leave on IR with the ribs. So that's at least two roster spots and hopefully not three. It sounds like we're going into this week not yeah. knowing how that's going to look in Atlanta. That's exactly right. All right. Um, how about in terms of replacing Joe Nopum? You have some internal candidates. Anyone jump out at you early in the week, or is that something you'll evaluate in preparation? It's something that we'll evaluate. You know, Jamil Demby has stepped in. You know, he stepped in against the Saints uh, for Austin Blythe and did a nice job at the right guard spot. He, you know, he ended up he ended up playing a lot against. Uh, you know, he started and played the full game against the Browns, and then yesterday he stepped in at the left guard spot. But David Edwards is a guy. Uh, Bobby Evans. So we've got some guys that you know we'll talk about as uh, as the week continues. Oh, I'm sick for Joe Noteboom. I mean, Me too. the reps were important for him. I mean, look, I, you, now you're a pro. Now you got to recover. Now you got to get better and come back and, and fight hard. But it's kind of like your season right now. I mean. You lose three in a row, but you still got ten more to go. You That's can't right. quit now, yeah. Yeah, and and you know I think you know like JB was talking about Demarco, we we've been very fortunate, you know, and and it's a result of the guys the way that they've played over the first couple seasons, and and here we are, you know, uh, through six games, and we faced a little bit of adversity, and and I think we're continuing to find ourselves as a team, uh, and and I and I trust that you know we're going to do this the right way, and uh, sometimes there's a, there's a joy in the strain, and we got a little bit of a strain right now, and I think you find out a lot about people it's easy to lead from the front it's easy to be good when everything's going your way but uh you know i i think this is going to be a great opportunity for us to demonstrate the mental toughness that we expect to have when we face some real adversity and uh, that's the mindset that we do have do you change how you do things going forward or do you resist the urge to say look Let's not panic and switch everything just to get a spark. Well, I think what you want to look at is, all right, what are the reasons why we feel like things haven't worked out the way that we wanted to? And we're never going to be afraid to change those things. But you don't want to just press the panic button unnecessarily. I think you want to have an increased level of urgency. But if you say that, then what was your level of urgency before? Mm -hmm. So uh, we want to be consistent, but we want to be solution-oriented. Let's look at the things that we can do collectively, all of us, whether it be coaches, players, uh, to do better within the framework of our role and see how that can result in hopefully us uh, playing better and getting those results that we want on Sundays. When you do have roster spots to fill, how do you go about evaluating, okay, might we take a look at what David Edwards, a rookie who we haven't seen in game action, looks like in our system under the lights versus who might be out there with some veteran experience that we can plug and play at a critical moment of our season? Yeah, I mean, we're going to do what we think is, is best for the team. And, and if there is somebody out there, then, you know, that's always something that we would explore, JB. But there's a level of confidence in the guys in-house. They have some familiarity with our systems, with what we've been doing, the techniques, the fundamentals that Coach Cromer's been coaching. Coaching and um, you know I think we'll be more than likely to fill that in house, but you know to look and to see if there's a veteran presence that could potentially fill a void, really just to give us some depth. That's something that we could potentially look into. 
How about Todd Gurley, one we hadn't touched on yet? It seems like there's a chance he could play against the Falcons. I think so, yeah. He's making good progress. He's going to be day-to-day, but I, I think that's, uh, you know, it's it's looking like it could it'd be trending in the right direction. Those right? thigh bruises are tricky. They I mean, are. You don't know until you open up. You know? yeah. yeah, and for for a skilled player where so much of it is relying on, you know, the flexibility, the the, the change of direction movements where, you know, that thing ends up getting, you know, stressed if, if you did end up, you know, hitting it pretty good like we know we did. Um, you know, those are things that really just you, you just kind of take it a day at a time. All right, the Coach McVay Show is presented by In-N-Out Burger. That's what a hamburger is all about. We're previewing Week 7, a game against the Falcons with the Rams sitting at 3-3, three and three, live from the Rams facility at Cal Lutheran in Thousand Oaks. We'll take a break here, but coming up, those and-goal, and-one situations. What needs to get right for the Rams to continue to move the chains and get this offense on track? We'll continue with Coach McVay next. We continue with the Coach McVay Show. Before a trip to Atlanta, be a long time before the Rams are back at the Coliseum, nearly a month between games. But, uh, Coach, could that be a good thing? I mean, is there a uh, get the gang, the gang together, go out on the road and – and find some of that identity yeah, that you touched on. I think on. this comes at a good time for us to kind of get away and, and, and you know, be with one another and, and really have kind of an in-season training camp, if mm-hmm. you will, uh, where really it's just about us right now. You know, there's some, I'm sure there's some outside noise. You know, you try to stay ignorant to it because it doesn't do anything good for you. But, um, you know, it's about us as a team. Let's let's stay together. Let's stay connected. And, and like I've said, you know, let's just figure out how we can do better one day at a time and and hopefully we'll see those things show up on the games. When you're saying stay together as a team to your team, you're getting the right response coming back. Oh yeah, we the got, right looks. Yeah. We got the right kind of guys, and and that's part of you know that's part of the onboarding process and the guys that we've identified. And this really represents the first opportunity for us to truly demonstrate that uh, they have done all those things up to this point, and, and I don't expect anything to change. And um, you know, the, I think the the best part about it is all these guys have a mindset of let's look inward, let's figure out what I can do uh, to just do a little bit better, and and. Make Maybe that ends up being the difference in, in us getting some of these results as a team. If you didn't think this was going to happen as a head coach or a player, you're crazy. No question. the league is going to happen, right? Yeah, yeah. and, and if, you, if you can't handle it, then this probably isn't for you. And this is, uh, this is a great opportunity really for, for myself, for our coaches, for our players to really be what we say and – and, and, you know, this is, uh, you know, that, that's all you can do. Relish the opportunity to just continue to fight, uh, not flinch and, and, and just, uh, you know, stay the course and, and just keep swinging, man. That being said, logistically, what do the next couple of weeks look like? You'll practice here before the trip to Atlanta, but then how do you manage the London trip? Yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll do it similar to what we did a couple years ago when we went and played Jacksonville and then went and played Arizona and London. So what we'll do is we'll stay in Atlanta. We'll practice, uh, you know, once we get to Atlanta, we'll be there. And then after Sunday, then we'll basically have our normal weekly rhythm all the way up until we travel to London on Thursday. Uh, and we'll practice at Georgia Tech's facilities and, and go through a normal weekly rhythm there. So staying in Atlanta, going to London on Thursday and, and get there Friday morning. Yeah. What, what one play stands out? One sequence stands out from Sunday? Uh, two things. When I close my eye, I think of the missed interception by Littleton. I mean, mm-hmm. if you get that, he's high step into the end zone. And then the goal line stop. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think about, you know, the, I think about the goal line stop and then the next play offensively we had was, you know, the turnover on a kind of a freak play where we drop a pitch, you know, on the first play of the second half. So, you know, when you look at that and that ends up, you know, we don't punch it in to get seven points, which, you know, for the most part, we've done a great job over the last couple of years finding a way to get that tough, hard earned yard get a double team at the point of attack and punch it in. We didn't do that, so that ends up leading to, all right, no touchdown there, and then we come right back out in the second half. We get the ball, 7-7 football game. We drop a pitch on a, on a running play where it's looking like we're going to have a good chance to get a good positive gain, and then that results in them getting a touchdown on the sudden change. So there's a 14-point swing right there. 
in the and one or angle situations, I mean, in some ways, that's what you strive for, right? I mean, you've done your work early to get to those favorable situations, yep. be it second, third, or fourth down. Where were the little miscues that kept you from getting the points or getting that that new set of downs? Well, I just think, you know, some of the things at the point of attack, you know, we've done a great job getting removal, but it's about just finding a way to get that extra yard. And, and usually, you know, they were in a, a technique, you know, basically a jam front structure where they had, you know, the three inside linemen covered up. And we were going to get a double team with, you know, our guard and tackle on their three technique to try to create some removal with uh, Malcolm just offset at about three yards and, and wanted to run off that. And they did a nice job, and, and it's something that uh, – you know, I think if if we ended up doing some of the things that that we know we're capable of with the techniques, the fundamentals, the get off, um, you know, that we feel like you know that's the reason why we went for it. Because then, over for thirteen on third and fourth down or whatever is not even a talking point. Because it wasn't like you were behind the chains all day. There were some of those oh, situations. There was, there, but... there was plenty of manageable, you know, shorter situations that that we expect to execute. And then there was a handful of them that you're putting yourself in a really bad position against an excellent defense mm-hmm. like that. Right, let's say if you if you give or take a, a blueprint of Giving the 49ers everything they need to be successful, I think from some points, shooting yourself in the foot, you gave them what they needed to be good on defense that day. Absolutely. And they, they did a nice job. They're a great front. Uh, really, they're, they're a great defense. They did, they did a good job. And, and it's something that you, you know, you just use as an opportunity to learn from and grow from. And, 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 you know, it's just, it, it continues to motivate you to make sure that, hey, let's get better from this. Let's not let this ever be the indicator of, of what we are unless we allow it to be. You referenced the uh, fumble by Henderson, the rookie running back. Uh, that was obviously a critical error in the third quarter. Also looked like he may have been misaligned in the red zone at the end of the second. But regardless, he looked dynamic. The talent wow. was there. The, the draft profile was on display. Did you sense that from the sideline yeah. as well? Oh, yeah. You could feel his juice. Those first two carries were exciting. Um, and, and that's something that I think for him, you know, that's what you like so much about him. That's what you're so encouraged about. And then there's a handful of plays that I think he's going to positively learn from. It's his first real, real game experience. We got to carry against the Panthers, but you know that's really the first live action. And against again an excellent defense like that, what a great opportunity to to be able to use it as a chance to say there were some really good things, and there were some things that I've got to be able to learn from. And I trust he'll do that. I was going to say, what'd you say to him after the fumble? No, just hey, you know, hey, let's move on. Next play, look it in, have great concentration. But that play's over with. We can't do anything about it now, and let's not let it affect our ability to move forward. And is pass pro one of those areas where the more he can prove to you, the more chances he might get to touch the football? I think so. Yeah, you know, just to, you know, to, to continue to be a complete back to understand the nuances of, of our protection rules and then. If he is asked to, you know, to be used in that phase, you know, using the proper techniques and fundamentals that we want to use in, uh, you know, in protection. Yeah, it seemed like passing the ball was, like you said, it was tough sledding, trying to get the ball out, protecting everything. Yeah, it was, you know, and, and, you know, the minimal opportunities as a result of being so inefficient on third and fourth down, uh, certainly don't help you. You know, you, you don't have as many snaps in the first half and then really in the second half, the reason you don't have as, as many snaps is because you have no efficiency. So you're having to punt, uh, you're not taking care of it with the turnover on the first play of the second second half so there's a lot of reasons all of them are things that that we can all uh, figure out and and be better as we move forward and and that's all we can do Sean how is it important to continue to change Jared's launch point what I mean by that is there's always a trade-off right between him being comfortable on platform versus him getting outside the pocket and throwing on the run yes absolutely and that's something that you want to do and and I think that's key to, to be able to you know be efficient and be in those you know run past conflict down in distances. Uh, when you're in those third down and longs, you know, you're pretty regulated in terms of what you can really give to a defense. But to be able to change this spot, especially against really good fronts, and, and you see that week in and week out, these defensive lines are so athletic. Uh, so that's absolutely something that you have to be mindful of, and, and we've got to do.
I remember way back when uh, had something like this happen. They told us, okay, don't talk about the Super Bowl, don't talk about the playoffs, we're only talking about the next game. Do you feel that way right now? Yeah, I feel that way regardless of whether we were 6-0, and whether we were an 0-6 team, because what we can't do is we can't do anything except for prepare for the Falcons this week and, and find a way to try to, you know, play our best ball against them on Sunday in Atlanta. And, and that, that's the truth. You know, if there is one thing that I think has served this team well, especially the first couple of years, is we were truly just in the moment one day, one week, one moment at a time. And, and that's, that's been helpful. And I think it's important for us to not forget about that. Uh, you know, you have a tendency to say when you get into these situations, all right, well, let's make sure we get to uh, five and three at the bye. Hold on a second. Let's just find a way to get ourselves uh, together this week. Let's fix some of the things that we didn't do well against the 49ers, and let's see if that kind of performance and fixing those things leads to us getting our fourth win against a tough Atlanta Falcons team. I don't care what their record is. Before we leave this 49ers defense, fair to say you're going to see a lot of them moving forward. I mean, they look like they have the youth and the talent. They're, they're not going anywhere. Yeah, they're excellent. So. Yeah, they're, they're really good. They They've done a great job of building it the right way. They've got great coaches. They've got great continuity. And uh, I think the future is extremely bright for them. And, um, you know, hats off to them. They did a nice job yesterday. All right. He's Sean McVay with DeMarco Farr. I'm JB Long, a week seven edition of the Coach McVay Show. Coming up next, when's the next time Sean McVay will look at the standings, plus a segment we call Audibles with questions from social media. That's as we continue tonight from Thousand Oaks on ESPN LA 710. Welcome back to this tape-delayed edition of the Coach McVay Show between our Lakers and Major League Baseball playoff coverage. You may have noticed we're off our normal time slot this week. Sean McVay joined us following Sunday's game, as he does every week, with these thoughts about bouncing back from a home loss to the 49ers. Well, despite the loss, some really good things on defense Sunday for the Rams, holding the Niners for less than four and a half yards per play, 20 points, couple of takeaways. We continue with Sean McVay, DeMarco Farr with me as well. I'm JB Long. Uh, tonight from Cal Lutheran in Thousand Oaks. What other positives on defense did you see shine through? Well, I thought, you know, when you're looking at the top rushing team in the league coming in, the way that we were able to play physical, stout up front against the run, they got a lot of carries off, but I thought for for a nine-yard game to be their biggest hit of the day against a really excellent offense and and a, and a very good scheme and, and good players to be able to activate that scheme, I thought our guys did a great job. Stopping the run, um, I thought they were opportunistic. I thought they kept us in the game in spite of, you know, how, how poorly we played, especially in that second half offensively uh, with a couple of those turnovers. You look at what a big play Marcus Peters' interception in the end zone was on the third down and goal. You look at what a big play it was for Aaron to force the fumble, Corey to pick it up and then lateral it to Nikel Roby. And um, I thought they just consistently kept competing and finding a way you know, to really give our team a chance when if you're just looking at it, you feel like, okay, but they kept it into that really that two-possession game and uh, I thought they did a good job battling. I'll, I won't stop banging that drum. 41 rush attempts and you gave up less than 100. Yeah, that's impressive. It's really impressive. Yeah. and they they did a uh, they did a great job. That was a big focal point, and um, you know it was it was a job well done by the defense in that regard. Aaron Donald did his thing as usual, but how about a couple of youngsters, Sebastian Joseph Day and and Gaines had some really bright moments. Seemed to be behind the line of scrimmage a lot. Yeah, those guys are those are two really young players that that have a real bright future. I think uh, Eric Henderson and Thad Bogardis are doing a great job of having those guys continue to develop. I think you've seen steady improvement. You know, Greg really got his first extended action against the Seahawks and then he built on that performance yesterday uh, doing a really nice job and and Seabass as well. Hmm. Are they catching you guys substituting a few times on defense? 
Uh, there was a misunderstanding yeah. on the one that I had to use the timeout. Um, you know, they had substituted, so we get a chance to match. Uh, there was just a little bit of confusion right there, and, um, you know, it was something that we've got to clean up, you know, just mechanically from a coaching standpoint. Having seen him in person a couple of times now, what makes George Kittle such a difficult matchup? Eight targets, eight catches yesterday. Yeah, you know, physical, good, aggressive hands. He's excellent after the catch. He's as good a player, in, you know, in the National Football League after the catch in terms of being able to run away from people, run through people, um, you know, and then I I think, you know, they do an excellent job of utilizing this skill set. I mean, you look at the big play that he had where he's running basically a, a corner route coming out of the backfield is a great design. And then, you know, you see what he's able to do after he gets the ball in his hands and he's violent. Hmm. Very violent. I mean, good player. I, I thought you held him in check until, you know, until late in the game or early in the game or whatever. Just a few plays. Big plays by him. Yeah, and he's going to make his plays. You know, he's such a good player, and they do a good job of moving him around and, um, you know, creating some some leverage opportunities for him. And, and then he's he's able to match him, and, and and he's able to make those plays when he gets those looks. But for the most part, really, with the exception of that big one, you know, he he had some good catches. You know, he had a big catch on the third down and twelve to get him to a fourth and one. Uh, he had a couple big catches and some third and mediums. But for the most part, you know, I, I thought our defense against a really dang good offense that they are, uh, you know played competitive and gave us a chance to win that football game. With the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay, and DeMarco Farr, I'm J.B. Long. This is the Coach McVay Show, Week 7 edition, brought to you by In-N-Out. That's what a hamburger is all about. Total left turn here. Let's go to London. The early game from Sunday, there was a sequence that I thought was just super cool, and I'm not sure that, that everyone understands what transpired. So the best I can, the Panthers forced the Bucks to punt from there on 11, right? It's the end of the first half. There's eight seconds left. By the time the Panthers signal fair catch at their 50, there's one second left. And they use the option for a free kick, which means that Joey Sly gets a 60-yarder from his own line of scrimmage, the midfield, and the defense has to be 10 yards back, Coach. Uh-huh. That's right. <laughs> um, so that means no chance for a block. You basically get a, a free kick, as described, going into the half. What do you think of that? Well, I think it's something that, you know, uh, John Fossil, our special teams coordinator, actually brought that up. Uh, we have a situational master's meeting every single week where it kind of go around the league or just things to educate the players and coaches on. And, you know, he, he referenced that actual situation that could come up. Uh, and then, you know, for that to actually occur in the morning game is it, pretty eerie when it really hadn't occurred in the, in the previous six years. So it's not beyond the realm of possibility that had a similar situation presented itself against the 49ers, Bones and the Rams were ready to do the same thing. Yeah, you know, there was actually a couple years ago when we had Philly at our place, um, there was a situation towards the, you know, towards the end of the game that could have presented itself for us to have a free kick, fair Mm -hmm. catch, but they ended up converting, but it was, it was a possibility that something like that was gonna possibly occur for us, uh, you know, where we had discussed it and uh, it didn't, but you know, it did for that game the other day. Incredible. I mean, you were ready when, when Robbie Gold came up short, yeah. too. So, I mean, it just it strikes me the level of detail in all departments of this building that go into every single week. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of different things that can come up, and, and the possibilities in the situation, especially at the end of the game, at the end of the half, you know, are endless. And uh, you just want to continue to educate yourself on those so that you can at least have a philosophy on how we want to handle it accordingly. I thought JoJo came out of the tunnel. Like, you guys slipped him back there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, really? How did he get back there? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, he snuck back there. And almost got out of that thing. Yeah, it's a bunch of fat guys out there. It was, uh, it yeah. was potentially going to be an exciting play. No doubt. <laughs>
couple of standings related things. First, how often do you look at them typically? And then where you are at three and three now, when's the next time you would plan to look at the Yeah, standings? I mean, I think you have an idea of what goes on, but, but for us, it, it really isn't, you know, it, there's 10 games left. There's mm-hmm. so much football left to be played. Uh, and what we've got to focus on, you know, we, we are, we got to just find our way as a team and, and we just want to focus on ourselves. We want to focus on getting ourselves ready to go and, and playing a good football game against the Atlanta Falcons. And, and that really is where we're at. Now, to say that you're not uh, aware of, of what's going on around the league, yeah, that, that wouldn't be accurate. But looking at that and then trying to do the math on things, yeah, that's definitely not something that you do because what all we can do is find a way to just really uh, see if we can go 1-0 this mm-hmm. week. Part of the reason I ask is because right now the Rams lead the NFL in strength of schedule and strength of victory, which is not to insinuate that it's going to get any easier from here. But do you take some solace in the fact that we've got three quality wins and the teams we've played so far have been pretty good? Uh, I, I think, you know, what, what you do is you, is you look at, you know, the six games we have and, and, and you could take some good and some bad from them both. And I think we're, we're a confident football team still in spite of what we've gone through. Um, and, and really, I think it's just about us finding a way to really play collectively good football, all three phases, combining it together. And if we do that, you know, we think good things will happen. Play like you say you are. What did you say it was? What's that? Like your motto for this week. Play like you say no, you are. No, I think it's, it's, it's be what we say we are. Be what you know? say and, you are. And, yeah. and, you know, if you say that you're mentally tough and, you know, you're going to handle the adversity the right way, you know, it's one of those deals where, you know, you could say it, but let, let's be about it, you know, and, and I see a lot better than I hear. So let's do that. <laughs> In our next segment, it's audibles and a couple of uh, lighter notes, including Jared Goff's birthday and also what is Sean McVay like as a dog owner? We'll take a break here <laughs> yeah. and continue with audibles on the coach. McVay show from Thousand Oaks on ESPN LA 710. All right, let's dig into audibles. Your questions from social media posed directly to the head coach of the Rams, Sean McVay with DeMarco Farr. I am JB Long. Um, Allie with our first question. What would some of the coaches you've worked for or worked with previously advise you in this current state at 3-3 three and three and riding a losing streak? Yeah, I think just stay the course. Uh, make sure that you exude a demeanor that's consistent with what you preach to your team. And uh, and that's just about, hey, let's just focus on what we can control. Stay in the moment um, and, and, and find a way to just keep swinging, keep battling, and fight your way out of this rut. And the only way that we know how to do that is to go back to work and, and just keep working harder and then not be afraid if there are some things that we need to adjust to be able to tweak make those adjustments if we feel like it's going to be beneficial for us to try to you know be more efficient whether it be offense defense or special teams as we move forward so important for that unvarnished truth right yes yeah Tell me exactly what you see. Yeah, so I and, and I better. think, yeah, and, and, and the one thing, too, that I think is very important that we want to have consistent with our players here is that, yes, we are going through some adversity. We haven't gotten the results that we want. But let's still have an urgency with the way we go about it and also an enjoyment because I've been in situations when you go through these, uh, nobody wants to go through or nobody wants to lose these games. Everybody is striving to accomplish a goal collectively as a team. And what we don't do ourselves any favors with, as a coaching staff especially is setting a tone in the building that makes it dreadful to come here every morning you know hey we're going through this together we're going to fight through this together but we're going to do it in a way that we're going to still allow ourselves to enjoy the opportunity and relish the opportunity to compete and find a way to fight out of this 
let's let's pick up that thread there, since it seems like you want to be a, a place where you can enjoy certain milestones. One of them today, Jared Goff's birthday. There you uh, go. So JB asks, and I promise this is not me, JB. This is a different JB. Uh, super serious and relevant question here in honor of Jared's birthday today. What's your favorite way to celebrate a birthday? Keep up the hard work. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I've never really been a big birthday guy. You know, I think happy birthday to Jared. I think it's incredible what he's been able to accomplish, you know, for a guy that's turning 25 today and I think the best is yet to come. But, um, you know, I've, I've never really been a big birthday person. Um, you know, my fiance, Veronica, she's, you know, girls love their birthday, you know, mm-hmm. so make it special about them, take them to dinner. But, you know, for me personally, as dull as it sounds, uh, you know, I've never really, you know, it's like, hey, it's your birthday. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> so what? <laughs> How about uh, Teresa, who wants to know what you're like as a dog owner? Have you always been a dog person, and what can you tell us about your current pet? So I've grown up, uh, we've always had dogs in my family growing up, uh, you know, German Shepherd when I was younger, a couple Golden Retrievers, are, they're great dogs, love them. Uh, my dad and my brother, you know, absolutely love dogs, and, and my mom and I love our dogs too, but the, I mean, my dad and my brother are truly dog people, and then my fiance Veronica, is a dog lover and so uh, we have a, a pit bull puppy uh, Callie and she is uh, she's great she, the, the thing that's nice is she's always excited whenever I come home uh, whether I didn't do a good job or whether I did a real good job she's consistent she's the truest measurement of performance she's consistently excited to see me and uh, always gives me a good perspective and uh, it's you know she's great she's a very playful uh, sweet dog and, and you make sure you get her her exercise because uh, she'll run around like crazy if you don't demarco pet person oh yeah i got a big dog yeah big mutt love him same thing uh, no matter what you do uh, every time you walk in the house happy to see you that's right yeah they don't care what happens to you and that's what you love i had a hundred year old lady tell me this the most precious thing you're going to collect in your life is birthdays so i'll pass that on to you there you go yeah see Maybe from now on, okay. he'll be a birthday guy. And once again, happy 25th to Jared Goff. That leads us into our next question and back to football. Devon asks, any main difference in his performance from the first half of 2018 and since in your eyes? No, I, th- I think really more than anything, uh, it's a collaboration of just the entirety of the unit and, and continuing to figure out our identity. And um, it's not one thing. There's a lot of things that, that we've got to collectively do. Uh, coaches and players alike to just continue to fight through and, and figure out how to be more consistent because – you know, for us, when you look at the six games, you say, all right, here's some bright spots in this phase. Here's some bright spots in this phase. Uh, let's, let's put it all together, you know, in a, in a complete game and let's find a way. And I, I think the closest you could say where you had some continuity, we had some good things go on, you know, was probably Seattle, but there's been some bright spots and there's been some things that we expect to be better. And, and that's really what we're navigating through right now. We don't make any excuses about it, but I think it's a collaboration of the unit and, and just figuring out, all right, what's the two 2019 version of the Rams that's going to enable us to play the most efficient ball, snap in and snap out. We're talking about Goff, right? Yes. He strikes me as the type that doesn't care what people say outside the building. I think that's a great thing, you know, because uh, whether it's good, uh, whether you get the, you know, too much uh, blame unfairly, I think the fact that he is securing himself and, and focused on his teammates, people that care about him unconditionally, I think that's the right way to be, especially when you're in his position. But inside, that's what I mean, inside the building really makes him tick oh yeah yeah how they feel about him yeah absolutely 
Eric, with our next question on audibles, your social media questions directly to Sean McVeigh. Uh, any methodology for holding individuals accountable for pre-snap penalties, and what can you do to help them improve in that specific area? Yeah, I think it's just you know continue to focus on the the, the concentration that's necessary. Uh, we we talk about it all the time. The things that take no talent, and we've got to do a good job. We've got to do a better job of eliminating those things. And um, you know certain things, you know whether it's guys coming out, but it's more about just I, I think guys don't want to let their teammates down. And they understand, you know, it's not about condemning the individual. It's about using those as learning opportunities, whether it's jumping off sides defensively, whether it's having pre-snap issues offensively for a variety of different things that, that could occur when those things do take take place. And um, it, it all goes back to the clarity, the communication, and then making sure that, you know, you do the best of your ability for your teammates. There's some things that inevitably will occur, but but the good teams don't beat themselves, and that's what we got to do a better job of. DeMarco, you were never in the neutral zone, so I'm sure you don't have any experience <laughs> in this area. Really? Right? Okay. I was past the quarterback a few times on third down. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Sly Bobby and several others are curious. We've talked about replacing specific pieces on the offensive line, internally or externally. What about shuffling the offensive line in terms of position assignments, knowing how much Aaron Cromer has cross-trained them? Are there any realigning, I guess, with the current personnel that would make sense? I don't think so, you know, just because, you know, you've got some continuity where those guys that have played the tackle positions, Austin's been at the right guard, Brian at the center, so what you've seen is that, you know, in the two instances where now we've lost our right guard in a game, a left guard now in a game from yesterday, you know, Jamil has had to step in and play both guard mm-hmm. spots, so that's where that, you know, training guys at different spots becomes valuable, uh, but for us, it's about figuring out, alright, who do we feel like is going to fill the best void left by Joseph Noteboom at that left guard? Guard spot, uh, and we've got a couple candidates that we're going to look at. Is that the classic example of hey, let's make sure we don't take a step back at two positions. Let's just try and be as good as we can at that one. I position. think it is, and you know, unless it's a spot where you feel like, man, this guy seamlessly can transition, and the player that's coming in really is a one position kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So uh, it takes a lot to have to feel like you necessarily have to make a two man switch for a one man fill in. Uh, but I wouldn't say that that's not out of the question based on what the circumstances uh, pre- that are presented. Uh, you know. Because All right. Thanks for your perspective, and thanks to those of you who submitted questions for Sean McVay this week. Next on the Coach McVay Show, the State of the Falcons on ESPN LA 710. All right. Looking forward to seeing the Rams get back to their winning ways. Another trip to Atlanta. Sean McVay, J.B. Long, and DeMarco Farr with you tonight on ESPN LA 710. Uh, The Falcons just back from a trip to Arizona, falling 34-33, unfortunately for Dan Quinn and company, on a missed extra point, Coach. Have you had a chance to dive into the Falcons to any extent so far? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this is a... this is a team that I don't care what the record says. Uh, they're they're a really good football team that has had some tough things that does haven't really bounced in their way, mm-hmm. you know, towards the end of games. But they've been in every single one. They've got a high powered offense. Um, they've got guys that compete all over the place on defense. And um, you know, d- don't let the record fool you. This is a very good football team led by a great head coach in Dan Quinn. It's a pretty good quarterback receiver combo too, Matt yes. Ryan and Julio Jones. Oh yeah, I mean, and then when you look at it, Ridley's a baller. Uh, as is uh, Muhammad Sanu. They've got weapons, you know, Hooper's done a great job, Devontae Freeman, I mean, they got players all over the place. I think as we went to the postseason a couple of years back, we asked about the comp between Jared Goff and Matt Ryan. Now that we're down the road a bit hmm. further, do you still think that holds? Yeah, I think that's a good comp. You know, I think you're looking at two guys, um, you know, that can really, you know, do an excellent job where you, if you want to move the spot, they can make all those throws on platform, off platform, very accurate, uh, throw a, a good catchable ball that gives the guys a chance to create after the catch it. Excellent in the play action game. You know, really, Matt's, Matt's done it at a high level. I mean, he's an MVP player. Uh, he's 
he's done it at a really high level over the last handful of years. And, and I think the, the comparison with, with what Jared has done over the first few years of his career is a favorable comp. And, and that's a very big compliment because of the, you know, the respect that you have for Matt Ryan and what he's done in this league. Uh, when you tailor a game plan, you tailor it to beat the next opponent, the Falcons. But do you have some sort of emphasis? Let me make sure I get Jared going early in the game yeah and that's something that uh you know we got to do a better job of and we got to figure out uh ways to be able to do that and then when those opportunities present themselves let's make those plays and and let's uh you know give ourselves a chance to to stay on rhythm but but no question that's something that you always want to be able to do and um you know hopefully we'll be able to represent that you know with the way that we play this sunday you know watching the falcons i was reminded of a question we talked about last week they've been off to slow starts offensively so they actually took the football first after winning the toss and went down the field and scored but then I went and did some research on what it's meant for you guys, and I can't make an argument for for taking the football first. Yeah, I mean, you've I mean, been, it's it's worked out so well for you guys. Well, yeah, you know, I it, I think it always it's it's really kind of whatever you feel like you need. You know, it, you know, in a lot of instances, it's it's what do we feel like is a consistent approach. I, I think that's one of those things that you don't feel the need to say, all right, let's change that approach and. You know, yesterday our defense did a great job. They get a three and out, you know, they get a three and out stop. We get a good punt return and then we go right down the field 56 yards and that's the kind of stuff where we play complementary football. Now we need to consistently sustain that throughout a game. Uh, but how do you find a way to bottle up, you know, that play from all three phases in those moments and then consistently try to display that same focus, concentration, energy, and really production, uh, throughout a game and, Man, we'd, I'd be a lot happier today. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. They say winning, uh, what's, is good deodorant. Covers up a lot of stink. It is, yeah. you know, but, but, but that's the thing, what you just said. I, I think it's, I think you want to make sure that you're always still focusing on the process because in a lot of instances, you'd say, all right, when some of these games come down to a play here or there, uh, whether you look at Seattle, whether you look at a couple things that didn't occur yesterday, uh, you know, there's still all those other plays that have occurred, even though it might change the outcome, you still have to address those individual things, uh, to be able to consistently display what you want, uh, over the course of of a 16 game season and usually those have have those things have a way of balancing themselves out we asked you last week if uh cleveland san francisco had any bearing on your preparation because with baker mayfield it's so rpo driven kind of similar this week with kyler murray uh, going against the falcons defense would you look too deeply into that one are there better examples in their recent history well that you, would... you know i think there's some good inventory to be able to look at you know when you look at you know whether it's arizona or even you know houston their two most recent games they're heavy gun teams but they're still playing a lot of the core principles and philosophies uh that they like and and you know there there's some instances that yes it, it there can be more relevant tape if it's more closely similar to what you do offensively but i still think you see the identity of what they want to be defensively show up uh you know in their first few games all right going back to atlanta thank you for spending some time with us tonight we wish jared goff a happy birthday great to meet callie uh your you pit go. bull i'm sure she'll be looking forward to seeing you come home tonight demarco good to see you we'll good have rams you. all access later this week uh, for Sean McVay and for DeMarco, I'm J.B. Long. This has been the Coach McVay Show, Week 7 edition on ESPN LA 710.